Turn in your Bibles to the book of Ruth, chapter 2, as we begin our seventh installment. Have y'all enjoyed this series? Amen. Perfect, beautiful series. As you're turning to Ruth 2, so many types, so many types. Naomi, a type of, of uh, Israel that walked away from God and, and stayed in a barren land. But while she was there, she picked up Ruth, which was a type of the Gentiles, and brought us back so that the Jews and the Gentiles together would come unto one under one redeemer, one kinsman redeemer in Boaz. And everything that Naomi was, the Israelites are. And everything that Ruth was, we are. And everything Boaz is and was to them, he is to us. So there are many types for us as a corporate body and us as individuals. And in this installment, we begin with verse 10. Would you stand one more time with me for the reading of God's word? And then I won't ask you to stand no more. Ruth 2, beginning with verse 10. We pick up in this story where Ruth has just happened upon the field of God's will. She just happened to find God's best. And Boaz has reached out to her. He initiated the relationship just as Christ initiated the relationship with us. And here she is. She fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto Boaz, Why have I found grace in your eyes and that you would even take knowledge of me? Do you remember saying that to the Lord? Who am I that you'd even look my way and take knowledge of me? And I'm just a stranger, which means I'm out of the covenant of promise. I'm nobody. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been showed me all that you have done unto your mother-in-law since the death of her husband, and how you left your father and your mother in the land of nativity, and have come unto a people which you did not know heretofore. The Lord, all capitals, recompense thy work. And a full reward be given to you of the Lord God of Israel. And here's why. Under whose wings you have come to trust. And then she said, and this is key, mark this in your Bible. Let me find favor in your sight. Which that word favor means, may you find beauty in my life. May you take pleasure in my life. Because you've comforted me and, and you have spoken friendly unto your handmaid. That I might be, even though I'm not like one of your handmaids. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime you come and eat of my bread and dip the morsel in vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers and reached her parched corn and did eat and was satisfied and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded the young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. And let some fall, handfuls on purpose for her, and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. And she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out that which she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah, which means a bushel or a dry measure of 7.5 liters of barley. She took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. And she brought forth and gave to her what she had reserved after she was satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where wroughtest all of this? Blessed be he that took knowledge of you. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought, and she said, This man's name with whom I wrought today was Boaz. And we would say, Christ the Lord. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin to us, and one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabite said, He said unto me also, Keep fast by my young men until they've ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, This is good, my daughter. Go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. Which means don't go to any other field but his. 
So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean into the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. You may be seated. And the blessing of God is on the reading of His Word. Much is spoken of, especially in Pentecostal charismatic services, uh, uh, areas, ministries, of the blessings of God. You usually have one of two opposite extremes. You either have as a church that thinks it's noble to deny the blessings of the Lord. It's noble to act as if they're not there. And in this false humility, they see themselves as wanting nothing, needing nothing, and finding some dignity in refusing that which God has provided. On the other end, You've got the people that think that God exists solely for my pleasure, my blessings, and he's my cosmic bellhop that I ding the bell and get what I want from him because I have rights. And neither of those are true. We have rights. We have privileges. We're bone of God's bone, flesh of his flesh. Listen to this verse. Blessed be God, Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In Boaz, Ruth and Naomi found everything that they needed for life. And in Christ the Lord, we find everything we need for life. I'm not a Greek scholar, but let me give you something very interesting uh, in the Greek in this verse. Blessed be the God of the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Three different words, blessed, blessings, blessed. The first is blessed be the God. And this Greek word is eulagetos. It means to speak well of, to praise him. So that's on us. Blessed be the God. Blessed from my lips, the fruit of my lips, giving thanks unto him, proclaiming blessings. One has said, well, the Lord knows I'm thankful. Unoffered praise is only an opinion. And he never told me to bless him with opinion. He said, the fruit of your lips, giving thanks unto God. Blessed be the Lord that saved me and my house. Blessed be the Lord that rescued me from my dark place and from the miry pit and set my feet upon a rock. Blessed be the Lord that restored my soul. Blessed be the Lord that's filled my house with laughter. Blessed be the Lord. I wonder what the will of God is for my life. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus that you be thankful in all things. Thankful. So, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that means to speak well of. And they said, who has blessed us? This word is eulogeo, which means to invoke a benediction upon, to prosper. Picture this. This will revolutionize the way you think. Blessed be the God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Past tense. He has decreed a blessing over us. A dome. A covering, if you will, that Satan and demonic powers acknowledge because they mentioned it in Job and said, I can't get to him for the hedge you've built around him. In the same way he spoke the worlds into existence, he looked at my life when he restored me and I came into the kingdom and I walked beside him. He said, I bless you. What God hath blessed, no man can curse. Well, then how do we experience all the negative things in our life. We leave Bethlehem. We walk away from Boaz. We walk away from the nearness that we have in Christ. The blessing, the benediction, and the invocation is there. It's present in his house. 
That's why God says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because if you love this world, the love of the Father is not in you. You can't live in the world with your affection and emotions and live with God at the same time. We do live in the world, but we don't love this world. Anybody else beside me, this is not my home. Not my home. I'm looking for a new city whose builder and maker is God. I have a residence, a place prepared for me. And Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming again because I'm going to receive you unto myself because, John, where I live, I want you to live also. Blessed, proclaim, praise the Lord that has already blessed us, okay, with all spiritual blessings. That Greek word is eulogia, which means the extension of benefits, bountifulness, liberality, big-heartedness, and open-handedness. And I know I've got kind of a lengthy introduction, but I'll shorten the sermon. We'll be good. Uh, most people look at the third expression as the most important, and it's the least important. The first importance is that we have positional nearness to the Lord for him to put his hands on our head and say, I bless you. The second is that I give him thanks and praise, not for the blessings with the S. That's totally independent. I bless you that you would bless me. I bless you that you would receive me. Who am I that you'd even look my way and grant me eternal life? Not just eternal life, but a new heart and the earnest of your spirit. Oh God, I am unworthily accepting of your grace. And from that relationship comes everything else. All blessings. If God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for you freely, don't you think he'll give you all things? All things. Don't fall into this trap of um, slot machine Christianity where you pray a specific prayer and you buy a book at the bookstore, seven ways to get what you want from God. Don't fall for that mess. How about this? How about I live in his house and he take care of me just like he sees fit? That's the, the best thing you can have is for him to make the decisions and help you out. We're not looking for the blessings. We're looking for the blessor. Let me tell you this, a beggar looks for the hand, a lover looks for the face, and he gives me stuff that ain't why I love him. Those things he gives me is proof of his love for me, and it's never about the things. Any of you ever loved on a budget? College love? You're working two or three part-time jobs, taking a full load, and you take your girl to McDonald's, and Stick a candle in an apple pie. You, do, you light up my life, girl. This right here. I just send that out to you right there. The truth is, it's not the elegant dinners. I think for Valentine's Day, we go to Cracker Barrel or something about four days later this year. <laughs> Babies were sick. You know, people were sick. Church stuff going on. And we sat there and... We couldn't find our cards, and, you know, you write them out, and we said, but in the end, it was, I just wanted to be with you. I just, you know. And sometimes we dine at Natalie's, and sometimes it's Chick-fil-A drive-thru. It don't really much matter. I want to be blessed. I'm not wanting the blessings, but the blessings just make me realize how blessed I am. Blessed is positional. Okay, God's blessing, number one has more to do with your position than your person. 
Galatians 3.14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Everything we have, everything that's been promised, everything that we need for this life and the one to come is found in Christ and Him alone. Our position is what grants the blessed life. It's not your ability to quote Scripture back to God. We think if we can find two or three verses and back God in a corner, we can make Him do things. You who are parents, and you've been parents longer than six weeks, can you tell when your kids try to manipulate you? And God's not as smart as you are. Little Livia and Isabel will work me against mama and work mama against me, and we have to talk. Did you, are they trying? No, 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 no. But if you'll just do right, everything we have is yours. Okay. The blessings we have are not because of our faith. Oh, Brother John, they're not. If that were the case, what would the, where would the person who doesn't have the mental abilities that we have be? Where's the little girl with birth problems and her brain doesn't function as some of ours do. So she is limited because she can't quote the verses back to God. Come on. Our faith is that which we bring to the Lord. Not to manipulate him but to show him we believe. It's positional. My blessing comes not from how much word knowledge I have. Though faith comes that way. My blessing comes from my position. He recognizes me as his own. And he has spoke over me his best. Everything is in Jesus. Do you remember when the Gentile came to Jesus and asked healing for a daughter? And Jesus said, it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs, to those outside the covenant. Children's bread. Well, you were asking for healing, weren't you? Your bread that's in God's house is healing. Wholeness, joy unspeakable and full of glory, deliverance, peace, contentment. It's bread. It's, it's what you sit at the table. Boaz provides that for us. And we need to see ourselves clearly instead of trying to earn through knowledge. We just get in Christ and know that if I'm in him, I have the best of all that God has. And I stay in humility that way. The state of blessing, blessedness is decreed by God. It is unmistakable, unstoppable, and uninterrupted. It cannot be interrupted except by you. No one else can move you from the blessed state. As long as we live with, in union with, and faithful to our heavenly Boaz, all that he has is ours. In Psalms it says this, in his favor is life. His favor. Lord, may I find favor in your life. This is what... Ruth said to Boaz, may my life please you. She understood that the natural response to understanding what your kinsman does for you is a desire to please your Lord. Position is way more important than person. Number two, God's blessings often follow seasons of difficulty, loss, and testing. God's blessings often follow seasons of difficulty, lost, and testing. Ruth had buried everybody, every man important in her life. Her husband, her brother-in-law, and her father-in-law. Ten years in Moab. Ten years of grief, of loneliness, of disillusionment, and nothing changing on the horizon. 
And I don't want you to answer out loud, but have you ever lost so much and nothing changed for so long that you felt you were past hope? There was nothing on the horizon that would suggest that God was working. And oh, I've learned that just because I can't see him at work doesn't mean he ain't working. Oh, I've learned it. Jesus came up to the man at the pool of Bethesda who'd been there 38 years, lame. He was infirmed. And he said, Do you, would you like to be made well? He said, I don't have nobody. He said, I didn't ask you if you had anybody. I asked you, would you be, like to be made well? What a response. Here's the healer standing in front of him. Do you want to be made well? Well, my situation wouldn't allow for that possibility. It, it's almost like it doesn't make sense. It's almost like it was otherworldly. But what this story tells us and what it's teaching us is sometimes you can get lost in the number of the years and miss God standing right in front of you. Whether it's 38, 68, or 88, when God comes up to your pool, something's about to happen. Something's about to change. I wonder if anyone's here in a great season of difficulty, loss, and testing. You feel like too much time has passed and your window of opportunity is closed. Oh, God breaks windows. He carves out new ones with his spoken word. The Bible says he opens doors that no man can open. And don't forget that Ruth was a Moabitist. Have you ever felt like how you lived in the past has disqualified you from the blessing that would come to you who are in, to who you are in the present? Ruth was a pagan. Ruth was an idolater. But something had changed in Ruth. And her past no longer disqualified her because her present trumped her past. She was not living in Moab anymore. She was living in Bethlehem. And Boaz, the type of Jesus, said, You are learning to trust under the wings of Yahweh. What we did, we did. What we were, we were. I told you that position is more important than person. And just because this season has been long, don't rule yourself out because blessings, great blessings follow long seasons of loss and tragedy and testing. God uses blessings to recreate, reshape, replenish, and complete the work He's already performing on the inside. He will often break us down on the inside and then build us up on the outside. He'll get at roots of pride and prejudice and self-centeredness and carnality. And it feels like he's just ripping your soul apart. And once there's humility of heart and we get back in line, then he heals us with good things. God's not heavy-handed all of the time. But he loves his children enough not to let them live spoiled. Number three, God's blessings often begin with simple provisions. The simplest of provisions, simple guidance, led her to the field of Boaz. Simple kindness that Boaz showed to her as a stranger. Simple provision, bread for her hunger, water for her thirst. Simple protection, warning the men to leave her alone and not to touch her. When you see these in your life, you can expect the greater. All the simple provisions are or to get your attention for that which is to come. God does not love me enough just to exist. Humbly, I tell you, He wants to bless me. 
Any of you guys got dogs that you dogs? No, we're not talking about cat people today. We ain't talking about those people. I don't like cats. Anything you touch on the back and its rear end goes up in there, something's wrong with that animal. Something's wrong with that animal. That was for free. That's not in my notes. I'm just telling you. Do any of you love your dog so much that you split good food with them? Go through the line at Crystal. You have your four or five crystals, and my Chuck's sitting there in the seat, and I go, you want some crystals, boy? And he, mmm. Y'all, 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 come home. Chuck have a half a Whopper in his mouth. I said, Sheila, what you doing? Chuck was hungry. I got him a Whopper. <laughs> there are men in this house, when the mama ain't there, that would get on to him about stewardship. When they grill a steak, they grill their boy one too. Yeah. Now just think about it. I'm trying to give you simple visuals. So you would give your animal the best in your house, but God wouldn't give you. If it's in the house, it's mine. This is not name it, claim it. This is not resting blessings from the Lord. I am blessed. He spoke it. So when they come your way and God tries to give you the crystals in the car, no, no, I'm just a worm. I'm I'm a worm. Chuck, what's wrong with you? Do you get it? We're so afraid that we're going to be that person that lives just for what God can do for us that we don't live in what God can do for us. I want every single thing he wants me to have and nothing he don't want me to have. Nothing. Blessed. It went from just bread and water to handfuls on purpose. See, you have to understand that God commanded the Israelites to let the poor glean in the corners of the field, which means after they harvested and after they picked up, they could get the small splintery pieces of barley. Literally, you could pick them up with tweezers, small pieces. And they just let them glean and don't embarrass them. Let them share in your blessings, which is a whole nother sermon in and of itself. But Boaz whispered to his reapers, see, she hadn't even come into relationship yet. And some of you don't realize God was blessing you before you were even his. Before you ever even came to faith. And he said, drop handfuls on purpose. So here's these guys in whatever machinery they would use or handheld tools. And other ladies over here with tweezers picking up little pieces of barley. And he goes, oops, just, just a rod of barley. Whoops. And she's like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. People over there, bless me, Lord. Something, help, help. Help over here. Seven and a half bushels. Her apron would fill up and she'd walk over and Boaz tell him to give her a sack and she would fill it up and fill it up and fill it up. So what's the difference? Watch. There are Christians in this field that have no, they call themselves Christians, no relationship with Boaz whatsoever. And they're in the field trying to get something from him without knowing him. And Ruth is a type of the person that doesn't want to be a stranger. She says, I didn't ask you to drop nothing. But everything you drop, I want you to know I'm grateful. I'm grateful. She went home and Naomi, when she came in the door, she goes, well, how was it today? She's dragging this huge sack. It's off the stalk now. It's just grain. Seven and a half liters, a bushel of barley. Other people going home with a Dixie cup. Full. Naomi said, how'd it go? Lord, come here. Help me get this. <laughs> she goes, 
Blessed be the Lord that you read it. It's right there. Oh, that God would do that for you. Praise him. Where were you at? Boaz, don't leave him. Whatever you, <laughs> whatever you do, don't leave him. It's not go see if you can get more. It's not go work him. Watch. She said, we don't have to worry ever again. Cal, I've had a lot and I've had nothing. I've been sick and I've been well. The gift of God is not a perfect life. The gift of God is I don't have to worry about nothing. Nothing. She ate and was satisfied and brought home enough to live on. All the men in this church want you to look to me. You're the priest of your home. You're either a good one or a bad one, but you're the priest of your home. Do you bring home enough spiritual contact with the Lord? Do you bring home enough of that in your apron to feed your family? Ruth did it because her husband was dead. There are women in this church that do it and their husband's alive. God wants to satisfy you as a man so you can bless your family. And if you happen to be the woman taking care of your children, the same principle. How do you know you're being blessed? There's enough for you and everybody that looks to you. Enough love, enough life, enough joy. It's not just bread. Bread is just basic. Blessedness is a state of being that I know it's going to work out. I know it's going to be all right. You'll go through lack. Oh, yeah, God will let you go through lack and tight places. But you know you're coming out. God's blessings, number four, are most often, you need to write this one down, even if you don't take notes, you need to write this down, are most often the result of good decisions and faithful sowing. Are most often the result of good decisions and faithful sowing. Well, you just said, John, that it's about position. She chose to be in that position. She chose to stay there. She chose to do what he said. He said, take the bread. Yes. Dip it in the oil. Yes. Take this parched corn. Yes. You know what happened today? Woman says, who do you think you are? You ain't my husband. Don't tell me what to do. We do that with the Lord. I pick and choose what you say. I do what I want to do. No, no. You can have a decreed blessing over your life and walk out from under it with an attitude of pride, arrogance, or ignorance and walk away from it. Whatsoever things the Lord says unto me, that will I do should be our mantra. And when we sow good choices and when we sow into other people's lives. So here's Ruth walking close to Boaz, being faithful to Naomi, doing what she could do. Then the blessing turned into blessings for her life. Ruth was faithful to her family, her responsibilities and to her promises. She told Naomi, I'll never leave you. I, I submit to you that she was tempted to leave her. Naomi's that bitter woman. People call her name. Hey, Naomi, don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. Check, please. I'm moving. I'm, I can't. Let me tell you, this ain't in my notes, but it's just good, good therapeutic stuff for me to say. The Bible knows, Jesus knows men and women how crazy we are. He know, when he describes men, often he says, fools, fools. Walk right into a harlot's house, go down the steps and not know like a bull to slaughter. You're going to just lose your life. Just fools and women. He says, it is better to live on the shingle, one shingle on a rooftop than in a palace with a contentious woman. Hey, that's the Bible. You can don't get mad at Pastor John. Don't write me. 
A shingle. So you got your little architect square? Are you set? Yeah, live there. And you go, what kind of life would that be? Better than the life you'd have in the house, son. Stay right there. I'm going somewhere. I'm trying to use humor because it like gives sugar to it for it to go down, okay? She told Naomi, I'll never leave you. There are people in this room, we told our spouse, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we said, for better, for worse. And it gets worse, we leave. She kept her promises to family. She kept her promises. We keep our promises to children. We keep our promises to one another and to God. And that spoken blessing turned into blessings because she was not only in the place, she was keeping her promises. That needs to be preached today. If you quit in marriage, every time quit looked good, great day, people. Anybody else been married longer than two weeks? And you, Lord, help. And at the same time, she's in the back room. Lord, help, please. Help us here. All right, I better get off that. You lost your joy. Let's move on. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm going to go for that other little toe, and then we'll get off this point. <laughs> I'm group. Listen, I have to preach this to myself before I preach it. So, I, I, you know, I had to repent during the week. Okay. We want physical health without sowing a good diet, regular exercise, and consistent rest. Bless me with health. I remember, and they're not in here, so don't try to figure out who it is and put it on Facebook. They're not in here. I remember this gentleman coming up to me asking me to pray. He was about to have a heart surgery. And uh, it said it was pending if he didn't get right. Just pray for me. And I felt the Lord whisper to me. He said, tell him to exercise. I'm like, you tell him. I ain't telling him. Watch, watch. We want magic. I'm in the, I finished my first week of my 65th diet. I lost six pounds. It was only six pounds. And people are like, oh, that's not right. I about died this week. Don't tell me about not right. Six pounds, okay? I'm going, I'm going to 180 again. That's, that's my goal because I feel my best at 180. But wouldn't it be better if some preacher could just lay your hands on you and be fit? Oh, oh thank you, Lord. That doesn't, it's not biblical. He wants me to pray for his heart and he's still going to eat himself into an early grave. Sorry, it's the truth. We want relational health without loving others, serving others, and preferring others. Fix my home, God will tell you. Fix you. Every time I pray about my marriage, God says, you the problem. Almost every time. There's a couple times he said it was Kelly. But most of the time it's... <laughs> There's a couple of times he said, I know, man, I know. <laughs> but the rest of the time, he says, you know, I don't, you don't out, out covered your punt, so you better shut up. You've done real good. We want financial health without honoring God, living below our means, and giving to others. Oh, listen, you can have these blessings. You can be physically fit, relationally healthy, and financially healthy without ever honoring God. But here's the difference. With the Lord's blessing, there comes no sorrow with it. That's what the book says. And see, you may have more than me, and you may have a nicer house and nicer car, but if you do it outside of Christ, it's going to cost you your health. You'll be miserable. I know men that are multimillionaires and can't even eat a sandwich. And the blessings I have, I got a nice house. I got good food. I got all that. No sorrow with it. We have to work. 
There's no sorrow with it. We want spiritual health without putting God first, keeping God at the center, and loving not the world. And that's why we are uncomfortable, unsatisfied, and unfulfilled because we're still trying to work blessings without living with Boaz. And if you are not living close to the Lord Jesus Christ, the blessings you have were not from him. They're temporal and they're going to fade away. Can I prove it to you? In the world, spend all your health to obtain wealth. And then when you get old, spend all your wealth you've obtained to try to buy back your health and then you die. That's the life you want? I would rather live with the Lord and him take care of me till it's time. And I done promised Kelly, if I'm one of those old, guy, old guys that lives into his 80s and 90s, I said, you ain't got to take care of me, baby. I'm going to live with Jimmy. I'm going to torment him. My boy's 33 now and he'll be like 50 and she can come see me on the weekends. I'm bringing the walker with the tennis balls and I'm coming in. Jimmy! I'm going to wear him out. Number five. God's blessings are rarely birthed without painful contractions. They're rarely birthed without painful contractions. The simple ones have no contractions. But when she moved from a little bit of bread and a little bit of corn and a little bit of oil to Boaz's partner, you have to look back to see. See, don't judge me what you see today. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know what dark season contracted to birth this new day. And some of you are so overwhelmed by where you are and you have not perceived that sometimes the blackness of the night is in direct correlation with how bright the day is going to be. Contractions. Ruth had contractions of sorrow and disappointment. Lost her husband and this was not how life was supposed to turn out. Is there anybody here you've said that statement? This is not how it was supposed to have turned out. Contractions of fatigue and discouragement as her life had been reduced to serving this bitter woman. Contractions of misunderstanding as she left her family and friends in Moab. Contractions of loss as she left everything she'd ever known to start over in Bethlehem. Contractions of contrary voices. Naomi was even trying to talk her out of going to Bethlehem. Contractions of the unexpected. Orpah walking away, turning back to Moab. Contractions of opposition. Mark 9, Jesus cast the devil out of this boy. And right as the devil was leaving, the Bible said he, it tore him violently and threw him to the ground. And the little boy laid there as dead. Why would the Lord record those details? So we would learn principles. Sometimes right before the greatest deliverance, the greatest open door, comes the tearing of your soul. Because the devil is about to have to let go of something he's operated in. Or a, a door is about to be open that's closed. And he takes his final shot because he knows once you get on the other side of this chapter, he can't do that anymore. It's in the book. If you want to look it up at home, it's Mark 9. Contractions are very painful, but they're also very powerful. They are the necessary ingredient to bring forth all that God has growing inside of you. Contractions mean the baby's coming. Contractions mean in, 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 the, in the natural, it means the baby's coming. In the spiritual, it means the new day is coming. And some of you have mistook contracts, contractions as this is how it's going to always be. No. The thing God has been growing inside of you is about to be seen outside of you. 
You're going to hold it in your arms. You're going to see it. The closer the contractions, the closer the birth. The greatest pain precedes the greatest relief. They signal, these contractions of, of sorrow and loss and pain may signal that this season shall not continue, cannot continue, and something is about to happen. This thing you believe has been happening inside of you is about to be seen, not only outside of you, but in your arms. The birth of this new day, these new blessings, were about to change the very landscape of her life. All she knew is that life was hard. And with a couple simple tokens of provision, it went into full-blown contractions as she went from gleaning in the corner of the field to owning the field. Overnight. When God gets ready to do something for you, do you know sometimes he does it overnight? Sometimes it's long, but when he does it, he's suddenly. I preached a couple years ago on suddenly. Just suddenly. I remember being in my car, depressed. The situation was, I couldn't move anything. I couldn't change anything. And I had people writing me, just have faith. I'm like, just have faith. You need to be more positive. I'm positive I'm depressed. Stop. You know, just, just really. But I remember telling the Lord, and I said, it may be today. It may be the day. And I remember the day it turned. I remember the last contraction. And he told me, he said, you're going to laugh again. I had not laughed in years. And he said, you're going to laugh again. And about a week later, I had one of those laughs where you can't make it to the bathroom. You know, you duck walk and you're trying to get to the bathroom. I fell in the hallway laughing and couldn't catch my breath. And I started crying. And they thought I was crying because I was laughing. And I was happy crying because my season had just changed. My water broke and it changed. All those contractions had led to a new day. And when your new day comes, baby, all you got to do is walk in it. And finally, Ben, if you would come, please. God's blessings often begin at the place of our deepest wounds and our greatest voids. So the bread, the water, the parched corn, the oil, we go, oh, Lord, that's your blessings. Mm, not really. Yes, it's provision, and technically you could call it blessings, but when God says, I've blessed you in Christ, it speaks of liberality and open-handedness, magnanimous expressions. Now, it's good. Those are good provisions, but these speak of the life-changing, life-altering, life-healing blessings. Ruth, watch. He began at the deepest place of her wound, widowhood. I'm going to be your husband. God, like water finding the lowest place, goes to the deepest place when your father passes away when you're young and he gives you a second dad that'll never replace the first one but that loves you with all his heart he goes to the deepest place when somebody walks out and unfaithful he brings somebody faithful right in when he hears a barren woman cry for a baby and he doesn't give her one he doesn't give her two but gives her three. Those 
are blessings. It's not sandwiches. It's I'm going to do for you. Watch Boaz. I'm going to do for you in the place you hurt the worst. Blessed be God who hath blessed us, spoke over us. And now all these blessings are following. Blessed be the Lord who putteth the lonely, the isolated in families. Blessed be the Lord who forgiveth all my iniquities and healeth all my diseases. Blessed be the Lord. He goes to the person that's bound with addiction and says, I'm going to right here in this one spot speak freedom over you. And you turn and walk out. And you look back, it's been 30 years and you haven't did what you used to do. At the place, at the place, that place of insecurity. He said, I'm going to teach you not to be self-aware. That person that can't trust. I'm going I'm to heal you from worrying. The greatest blessings in life are life changes. Not things. My house is not a blessing primarily. What do you mean? It's a provision. It's a provision. I've lived in a 900 square foot home. Anybody feel me? I've lived in. And I've got a nice house. But they're just provisions. Let me. T- oh, this is so good. How do you know the difference, John, between blessings and the blessing? You can lose blessings. But as long as I live with Boaz, the blessing continues. My house can burn down. And if I don't have insurance, if it's paid off, I'm out of luck. But since Boaz knows how to build houses, I ain't got nothing to worry about. Do you see? As she gleaned in the field, he dialogued with his heart. Well, she dialogued with his heart, I'm sorry. Accepted his invitation and tasted of the things to come. And as she did, healing flowed. It flowed into her loss. Into her loss flowed love. Into her sorrow flowed joy. Into her lack flowed abundance. Into her need flowed provision. Into her frailty flowed protection. Into her questions flowed his answer. And today God's word is flowing to the deepest part of your life saying, let me bless you. But you got to live with me. You can't come get the blessing and tip back out and live like hell all week. You got to live with me. Yes, I can hear Boaz saying it with his eyes. Yes, I'll redeem you. Yes, I'll love you. Yes, I'll protect you. Yes, I'll provide for you. Yes, that last chapter in your life, Ruth, is over. And the next one is entitled, Beauty for Ashes. It's been, oh, shoot, six years now. And I refer back to this illustration probably once every five, six weeks. Because when it happened, it had dramatic impact in my life. I had a day vision once. I'm not a guy that has visions all the time and trances. And, but I, I've had one or two in my life. A day vision means like you're awake, but you just see a movie play out in a moment's time. It's just you see this little mini movie. And I was standing in what I knew to be the presence of the Lord. I didn't see him, but there was just glory, just powerful light glory. And I stood there and my eyes were sunk in my head. And they were black circled. And I was covered in soot. And the Lord began to dialogue with me. And I don't remember all the details uh, now. But I remember the gist of it. He said, how are you? I said, I'm dying. I'm dying. He said, save your ashes. I said, what? 
everything that's been burned up, save them. And I went and got lawn and leaf bags in my dream. And burn up dreams. Loss of relationship. Health. And I'm not being funny here, but during the stress of it, my hair was black when I started. I lost health. I lost life. Just, just raked them all up. I just looked older because there are seasons that make you older. So I got all the bags and I brought it to him. And he said, are those all of them? It's really important. I said, well, you know, a little bit more. Said, Go get them. So I got the small rake with the fine thing. Got it all up. And he said, for every ash, I'm going to give you beauty. And I went, for real. And those of you that have lost the most, according to Scripture, you can expect the most. Beauty for ashes. So I left him with him. And the last thing, and I'll let you go home. He showed me a vision, part of that day vision, of this burnover field. As far as you could see, it was just burnover. And on one little corner was a Victorian house with a white porch with the flowers hanging from the ceiling. And he said, this is what I'm going to do for your life. I'm going to build you something beautiful right on top of this burnover of 40 acres. Now, John, depending on which way the wind's blowing, you're going to smell the loss every now and then. But your life's going to be so pretty, you're going to forget about it. And you know he did it. <laughs> I can still look back and feel. <sighs> but when I look where I am, I go. <sighs> and God wants to bless you. This is not get rich. This is be whole. With every eye open. If you've made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and you feel that maybe your distance or separation from Him is what has prohibited some of that, say, Lord, can I move back in close? And I'm asking that you put your hands on me and bless me. Would anybody join me in doing that this morning? Just stand with me if that's your heart's desire and just lift your hands and ask the Lord just to bless you. you Lord while those are praying would the rest of you stand with us this morning when God adds blessings don't ever flaunt them but don't ever be ashamed of them don't take your coat of many colors off for nobody just live in it. Live in the blessing. And for those of you that are waiting, oh God, I remember. 
I felt like I was sitting at a bus stop. And every time the bus would stop, people would get on and it would leave me. It would leave me. And I go, Lord, when, when's the bus going to be for me? I remember. Listen, be wise while you're waiting. Because the decisions you make today is the material God will use for your tomorrow. Be wise. Be hopeful. Because his blessings will find you. You will see them. You will hold them. And no one can take them from you. Be diligent. If you gather up all the handfuls on purpose today, you will have your hands filled with purpose tomorrow. Be courageous. Oh, I don't know who this is for. Because the last month of pregnancy is the longest, the last hour the most painful, and the last push the most difficult. And finally, be receptive. Because how you respond to what he has given you has everything to do with what he's going to do next. This is how your pastor receives every gift card that my friends buy me for my wife and I to go to supper. Every kind email, every kind gesture. I take the time and I go, thank you, Father. Thank you. It wasn't just a $50 gift card. It wasn't just a $100 gift card. And I'm not saying that to get anything. I'm saying anything that comes my way, it might have passed through you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my babies, my home. Just thank you. How you react to what all he's done for you is a great indicator of what's next. Some of us need to go back home, do one exercise. This is it. Take a legal pad and count your blessings. Write them down. You'll need a big legal pad. And by the time you get to the third or fourth page, you'll say, forgive me, Lord, because I don't know anybody more blessed than me. Father, we just honor you today. We make you central in our heart and in our life. Oh, Lord, don't let us play with you or with religion in this last hour. But let us be so close to you. There's no division, no separation. May our affections be yours. May our destination be your home. And may we live, oh, Lord, blessed. For the glory of your Son, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.